episode is provided to you by Clara Labs. Clara Labs is making it easier for you to focus on the things that matter by providing a 24-7 virtual assistant to handle all of your scheduling needs. Here's how it works. All you have to do is CC Clara in your email thread and Clara will take it from there. Clara is responsive, reliable, and simple to use. For more information, visit www.claralabs.com. I'm Doug Jacob. Uh, CEO of uh, and co-founder of Jaywalk, which is uh, an advertising agency in New York, which was recently purchased by Shiseido. Um, so now I am the um, chief creative director of Shiseido. Nice. Yeah. You might want to explain for those that don't know what Shiseido is. Shiseido is a conglomerate of beauty products. So they own brands like Bare Minerals, NARS, Shiseido, Buxom, Clay de Poe, um, and they had been a client of Michael and I for over four years. Mm. Um, and then we worked on a, on a sort of case study deal with them, uh, which took place in, in February. I've known Michael for 10 years or so, 11 years. Um, we met in a nightclub, I think. <laughs> that's, pro- that's probably, <laughs> probably right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were both we both had some early success and uh, were young. And so we, we took the time to enjoy the success, I think probably too much, but it, it helped us shape to what we are. And, and Michael had matured a little bit earlier cause he's much older than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had been trying to, yeah. to get in business with Michael and uh, we just remained friends and then um, finally decided to cement it and start an agency. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's your turn. Yeah, of course. So Michael Astoria, um, you know, currently, you know, CEO and creative director for and pizza and pizza is, you know, we call an anti-establishment establishment. Mm. Uh, it's sort of a quirky, um, chain of, uh, pizza shops. And the concept was incubated in New York city, uh, in an art studio on 22nd and the West side highway. And just kind of the idea of really creating a cultural movement around this product that we love so much, which was pizza, uh, but also changing the game in terms of how people think about uh, pizza, the pizza shop experience, the retail experience, um, and just kind of flipping it on its head. You know, every shop is designed differently to reflect the neighborhoods and communities that we serve. Um, you know, we call our employees tribe members. Uh, because they're a group of people that are connected to each other, connected to a leader, and ultimately connected to a purpose. So it's a very purpose-driven uh, company. And our, our biggest purpose right now is sort of the fight for 15, which is you know wildly unpopular in the restaurant business, which right. is basically a push to increase the federal minimum wage. Uh, it's been entirely too long that the lowest wage, or, you know, lowest um, wage workers in this country just haven't been protected by government and i think big business hasn't been socially responsible in terms of making sure that that 
the wages that are being paid allow people to live, put food on the table and a roof over their head. So I'm a very outspoken advocate to make sure that um, we're doing our part first and foremost, and then preaching the gospel of how us doing our part and building a real business case study for why I think this is a good thing, not just because it's the right thing to do, but it also makes good business sense. And, and, uh, and so, you know, the, the whole, um, and pizza thing, we really are, um, you know, a culturally led company. I think a lot of people are interested to learn like what makes the brand and the company so interesting and sticky to the point of over a hundred of our tribe members have the ampersand tattooed on them. Mm. That's our logo. That's our symbol. Uh, we created it that way because we really wanted to lead with something that was really focused on inclusion and connectedness and unity uh, words that I think are becoming increasingly more relevant today, um, more so than ever before. And that symbol to you know our people is really about those things, which is a company that celebrates their oneness, that allows people to you know be uniquely individual and brings them together, where it's not you know it's not a bunch of people as coworkers, but more sort of friends with shared interests. Like mm-hmm. we're all in this together, and we wear unity on the back of our shirts. So that's part of like our work shirts that we wear every day. Uh, which is interesting. So we started the first pizza shop in 2012 in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, the H Street Corridor. Uh, you couldn't find you know, a Starbucks if you tried. So it was very different. We went into the neighborhoods first and then into the city, um, and we opened up our 23rd pizza shop, second in New York, this Tuesday on Broadway and Astor Place. Yeah. So the company's kind of caught fire. We've raised probably about $60 million in combined you know, equity and debt over the past five years. 16 or 60, 60. 60, yeah. yeah. Uh, these things cost a lot of money because yeah. you're physically building, as you know. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, the, the, the brand is hot, and I think it's hot for the right reasons. It's hot because of the people that work there. They make it special. They make the experiences special. The pizza's shaped differently. It's packaged differently. If you walk in, you're going to feel like you walked into a party. Music's going to be loud. You're going to see people dancing. Right. Um, crazy designs and aesthetic. Sexy. And just Yeah, it's, it, it's got that element. But again, it's, not, it's, it's a little bit about us and just a lot about uh, the people that show up every day and, and make and pizza theirs. And that's, awesome. I think, this is really a brand and a company that's um, for the people. Okay. So let's take a step back to before and You're doubling pizza. down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go to before and pizza. So uh, you guys are together at a club. Not or, together, but yeah. Well, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> you guys are yeah. in the club together, yeah. or you guys happen to be there at the same time. What was the... Could have been a bar. Could have been a bar. What was the impetus? Like, What, what drove you guys to, to work together? Uh, well, actually, I think it, it was... It was partly my nightclub. So I, I was in the nightclub business. Michael had sold his first business okay. and was a big bottles, bottle buyer back gotcha. when it, back when it wasn't looked down upon the bottles and the lights. And, and yeah, yeah, of course he loved well, it. So, so Doug, I, Doug, yeah, you, I mean, you had a business. I mean, you, yeah. you were, he was in the business of, of building, you know, flash websites. Mm. And, and part of that was for, you know, hospitality, right? Restaurants, yeah. bars, nightclubs, but also, other brands as well. And I had a, you know, an advertising, you call it more ad tech media company Mm. um, that did something very similar, only at larger scale. And so it started off as a friendship. That friendship became a little bit of a mentorship in terms of me working with his partners and helping sort of shape and craft the business, you know, thinking through um, the P&L, which is profit and loss and cash flow and really how they can build that out. And then just in terms of being friends and hanging out together and then 
sort of working with each other. We were always like, listen, it would be awesome if we could get into business together at some point. But I was, you know, having sold my business, I was under contract um, for three years to run that business as CEO uh, as part of the the agreement. And Mm -hmm. so stuck to that. And then once that agreement was up, you know, we had an opportunity to work together on Jaywalk and um, just kind of went, you know, full steam ahead into it. But I think we, we both share similar value systems, um, different upbringings, but I, I think one in the same as far as, you know, how we treat other people. And, and I think that was rare for us coming to New York City because both of us don't. I come from the Midwest. Michael comes from bumfuck upstate New York. Um, is a real small town under 500 people. <laughs> right. One okay. flashing light. One flashing one light. One bar. Yeah. Right. It's not pretty. And I was just like, who is this homeless guy that's so successful? I need to become <laughs> friends with him. And um, so I think that, that, was, that was a lot of it. I think we're both incredibly aggressive without being, um, uh, without being off-putting. You know, and I think we're fair to other people. Although I've, I probably had a rockier road to get there than, than Michael did. I'm my likable. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I didn't want to say likable. That's a good word to describe. Yeah, I guess likable. Um, so anyways, I, I think that, that drove us, that, that drove us together as well. I think in business, we're able to, to still have success, but, but do it in a way that's not, um, you know, we're not tyrants. So, well, yeah. And I think, I mean, business partner, business partnership is hard. I mean, I think people, people underestimate, right. When you get into business with somebody, what that relationship ultimately will be like, because I mean, at the, 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 core of it i mean you are dealing with money right and money can ruin a lot of people's relationships like if a business fails you lose a lot of money Um, if a business succeeds you can make a lot of money but that that tends to be one of those things that can be really devastating to business partners because if you lose a lot of money people can behave a certain way that you can't expect or predict and if you make a lot of money the same thing can happen right right? so it's really really hard to know when you get started with somebody like what that relationship is going to ultimately result in i think the one good thing about doug and i is that money has never been the driving factor or force behind anything that we do right we do it first because we're passionate about it um, and then more recently, right, there's a, a broader purpose, right, a higher calling as in the fight for 15 or a movement, you know, around culture and people that inspires us every single day to dig in and work harder. And that wasn't necessarily the case maybe 10 or 15 years ago, at least for me, like I, I've learned that about myself and I think Doug's learned about himself is that we do our best work when we're inspired and we're not inspired by money. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like that can come, but at the end of the day, it comes and goes in life. There's ebbs and flows. And we are really just about digging and doing great work and working with great people. And that's been the basis for how we've built, you know, Jaywalk, the basis for, you know, how Ann Pizza was built and really is a cool thing because it's never gotten in the way. And Jaywalk's had its its ups and downs and Ann Pizza's had its ups and downs, but never once has that money impacted the relationship or our approach and philosophy to business. So can you guys touch on how you guys think about the values that you just articulated sort of generally? Like, do you have them spelled out? Like, a lot of the companies that I come across, especially in the startup ecosystem, they're listing out their five core values. Mm -hmm. And they have the definition for it. They require everyone on the team to know it. Or maybe they put it up on their hiring page. And then there are other folks who just, just go off the vibe. And you can just tell that the leader, of the, the leaders, or the leader of the team has a strong compass, mm-hmm. and is hiring people based on that. 
so that you know I'm, I'm always thinking about how do you scale that piece or are you thinking about scaling that piece like how do you instill that in newer folks especially as like and pizza gets to a hundred locations so I think Michael is is probably the best I've ever seen at that both from a leadership as well as a development I myself am I, I'm, I'm less uh, talented there I would say that us as an agency though I, I know how to do it and I know the systems behind it and I know sort of the process in order to create a good brand. And, and so that's instilled in our agency and we're kind of, we're known for that. Mm-hmm. I would say as a leader, that's something I need to continue to work on. Uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily comfortable in that, in that role. Whereas Michael, I think has been able to, to show that, especially with the brand and pizza, that it's purpose driven and, and that, you know, they're following a leader ultimately, um, which is starting to get us into some weird conversations which i hope we get into which he doesn't want to get into so we won't get into but anyways so anyways he he's better at that um as an example i think um but us as an agency we've 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 been able to kind of bottle that as far as a process and give that to other brands Mm. it's not something that um it's something i need to get better at but yeah but you're you're really good at defining it yeah i can't always articulate what's happening but you're really good at putting a framework around what you're seeing you know, either for, you know, and pizza or for our clients on the advertising side, that's a, that's a skill in and of itself. Yeah. I just can't do it myself. Right. And, and I think the, you know, for, <laughs> for me, it's, it's really, when it comes, like one of the things that I hate about small businesses or startups, and you see this a lot in the restaurant world, which is people throwing words on a wall. Yeah. And it's, it's gotten to a point now where, um, it's just, to it's me, cheesy. it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's cheesy, but it's just, there's no authenticity. Absolutely. Yep. It's like they're marketers first and that's just not how business is meant to be built. And I don't think that's how you develop relationships with your consumers that are truly emotional, long lasting and impactful. So one of the things that, that we did with Ampiz that's very different is we actually let the brand organically evolve, right? No words on walls, no mission statement our mission statement was to live our core values and we just had a set of values. And those values were really about life's experiences and work and saying, you know, these four things are really important to me. We're going to hire off of these four things. What we ultimately become as a brand and as a company is going to be a reflection of our culture, which is going to be based on the people that we bring into the organization. So let's give it time. And it wasn't until January of this year, we came out with our first brand statement Mm. that was really us doubling down on finally those words on the wall, but they meant something because we had been living it and we had been doing it and we recognized, okay, these are the things that are really important to the people that come to work every single day. And so let's go all in on those things. And I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. I mean, their values, which are a reflection of self, typically leadership. And what you're starting to see is you're starting to see it as a fad with marketers. And so they, they, they basically look at, you know, what will make me more money if I put this on the wall Mm -hmm. and you're not seeing the sustainable, you won't see a brand that that's sustainable. I think you see a difference in, I don't want to necessarily point out brands, but you can see the difference in like a group fitness brand, like, like soul cycle, for instance, where, you know, their values were driven by the leadership. That's how they would, that's how they would want a cycling um, company. And that's what they created. And they lived every single day. And then you got kind of the flywheel where they're like, let's be Nike. And it's a marketing driven business and it's going to have success. I just think the sustainability of that success starts to taper off. Um, And you see that in, in every category you see it in food 
Well, the, group yeah, the everybody. cool thing is these movements, though, when you get it right, it's bottoms up. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not tops down. It's like, yeah, leadership sets the tone, but then you bring people into the organization. They follow leadership initially, and then they make it their own. Mm. And that's where you get it to be real. I mean, you soul cycle as an example, but the instructors drive that business. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what drove it from, you know, the ground up, which is the passion behind the individuals they brought in that took soul cycle and put it on their back and made it become what it ultimately was. And that's sort of what's happening at and pizza, which is it's no longer about leadership. It's about, you know, our tribe and that mentality of I own this company. And the nice thing is there is a clear path to ownership for basically everybody that works in the organization, but more importantly, just that spirit of this is my company, right? Because I feel most connected to it because it lets me be me. And like, I think that's really important. I think you had it at SoulCycle. There's a lot of great examples, even dating back to like the Patagonia of like people really living the culture, right? In the retail environment, like just really drinking the Kool-Aid, but not from a marketer standpoint, it's drinking the Kool-Aid because that's the Kool-Aid you choose to drink, mm. right? You can, you can work anywhere you want. You're choosing to work at Ampizza because we give a damn and because we think differently about, you know, how we treat our people and how we think about their role in culture and brand and growth and everything. So, you know, how do you, how do you think about that when you've taken on venture dollars or when you've are looking <laughs> to grow aggressively? Cause yeah. like the examples you painted, they are all, and I, I, I kind of uh, associate this with artists, musicians, Yeah, like there's the industry plant, and then there's the person who's been touring for five, six, seven, eight years, mm-hmm. finally has, like they have a fan base and something hits. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now, it seems like an overnight success, but it took them a long time to get to that point to build this authenticity that which was really driven from the ground up, as you put it, from the bottom up, from their fan base that powered them. But then you get into the label, and now there's these expectations. Mm-hmm. You have your hit record. You've seen this sort of with Cardi B. I don't know if you guys follow Cardi B. Um, so she's the similar sort of pressures. Mm. Uh, when companies then take on capital, they start off as similar to Ampice. They start off as a small spot in 8th Street, former bakery, um, I think, right? Former bakery. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, you did your research. <laughs> yeah, I follow I follow, I follow. Uh, you got solid restaurant from brands. like 1915 on yeah, the wall. Yeah, I saw it. That bakery. <laughs> I saw it. So, you know, you... You basically take, what is it, five years to grow to this point? And I imagine there's, there's challenging things that happen now. You bring in this extra capital. Like, how did you, what, what's the thought process there? How do you think about the future? How do you think about the now? So I, I think as, as Michael and I split our time, um, <clears throat> we end up being each other's psychiatrists because we, we both pull in the capital as CEOs. You know, Jaywalk from Shiseido side and, and Michael from, well, multiple financiers, I think, it's uh, it's a roller coaster. It is a tough part of of business. Yeah. I think they they tend to come in. You have to be very careful about who you take dollars from. Right. I think that's that's number one. Um, no capital is perfect capital. That's that that's number two. I think from Michael's side, he's been lucky enough to have um, you know both angels as well as institutional money that uh, provide value beyond capital, um, but with that comes challenge because they, they look at things uh, on a piece of paper opposed to being, you know, on the floor and understanding truly the restaurant business. They understand it as a business, but they don't understand it at the human element. Mm. And so that, that, 
that is difficult sometimes because the right decision isn't always um, the quickest way to the bank, uh, especially if you're trying to build something for, for long term. Right. So, and same thing at, at, at Jaywalk, it was like, you know, you know I, I have my first boss. Um, I, I'm in a, you know, Japanese public company. So there's a, there's a cultural difference between, um, you know, between United States and, and, and Japan, obviously. And so me getting things done, which I like to barrel over people, to get things done that's is that the that's the aggression you that's the aggression <laughs> right that's like when i when i'm passionate about something i will get i will get it done i have found that to be a little bit more difficult certainly with um the size of the organization but also the fact that um, the japanese culture requires quite a bit of meetings before they say yes and, and one yes doesn't mean yes you need five yeses um so from from our side but but i, I would tell you that we're 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 both in a, in a pretty lucky position. I think a lot of times people take in capital and, and they're up shit's Creek. And I think the deal structure that we created at the Shiseido side, I can speak from my side is, and has lived up to, to the potential of what we thought it would mm. and their ability to adapt has been um, refreshing, especially for a large company. I mean, it, there's a CEO in place and a president in place that, that allows for change because they know that nothing's perfect again on paper right. between, you know, $15 million company and $11 billion company when they, when they merge. Mm -hmm. So they allow for us to have meetings, shift the way that we done the, we, we did the deal, um, as we start to learn more and more. So from that side, it's, it's been really incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, the only thing I would add there is one of the things that we did from, early on was make sure that there was alignment in terms of right investors shareholders vision and purpose and i think what i mean by that is we haven't taken all the capital that we've raised we haven't taken vc money and we haven't taken private equity money it's all been family office and family office for those that don't know it's basically you know wealthy individuals that you know made a bunch of cash usually through you know the sale of a company uh, or the like, and you know, hire smart people to manage their money mm -hmm. and make investments on their behalf. And we've been fortunate enough to um, have taken capital from those types of individuals. And so the nice part about that is number one, they understand the vision, right? I, all of them walked into Ann Pizza and within 60 seconds understood the power of the symbol, right? The ampersand and what that could mean longer term in terms of a really different, you know, type of a brand. I mean, this vision of, yeah, there's and pizza, but imagine if there was, you know, and wine and and beer right. and, and chicken and, and soda. And we've done some of those things, but just this big vision of this unifying company that like unites and brings people together and just happens to serve pizza or sell beer or sell anything for that matter. And then it's the purpose side, which is understanding the financials. I mean, we baked in very early on, you know, paying people as close to a living wage as possible and letting our investors know this is a sacred cow, this is non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. And so just making sure that the right conversations were happening about how we intend to build, the fact that we want to remain company-owned, the fact that we're not going to grow just for the sake of growing, we're not going to grow ahead of our people, we're going to wait. You know, when we choose how many pizza shops to open year in and year out, yeah, you got to make sure you have the cash for it, but you also have to make sure you have the leadership, right? And so the first place that we go is to our operations team and say, how many leaders do we have that are ready to lead? 
right, ready to open up and own their own pizza shop. And then we go and find out, okay, how much, you know, what does our real estate pipeline look like? And ultimately, how many great you know, locations do you have that we can grow into? And then lastly, you circle back and make sure you have the capital. Mm-hmm. So that alignment, that shareholder investor alignment on, um, on vision and, and purpose is absolutely critical. And that at the end of the day where the rubber meets the road, and there are plenty of tough conversations. I mean, it's not been a walk in the park by of any course. stretch of the imagination and it shouldn't be right. Cause business is not easy and people write real checks. Right. You know, we have a fiduciary responsibility to spend that money. Well, I think being challenged is healthy. Always, for us. Yeah. always as well. Yeah. And that's, I think that also creates a humility and I think that's really important in business and in friendship and in life is that, you know, you have to be able to share, right. The table, you have to be able to listen first. You have to be able to have empathy and understand where other people are coming from. That's awesome. So the big, so the big takeaway for me on that is starting with the right folks, with the right partners, with the right context. Cause you set the frame. You want to filter out all the riff. That, that's any business. I mean, yeah, there, yeah. there were, there were times, you know, at Jaywalk where we looked at each other and we're like, man, <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if this business is going to make just it, shut it down, but it didn't impact like the friendship got stronger. Right. Right. It wasn't like if that didn't work, all that was going to be for us was a lesson learned right on the path or the journey of life. And it's just a bump in the road. So you got to like, but I, I've been in other business partnerships or relationships where that would have ruined the relationship. There would be no relationship because it was driven by other things. Misalignment on, on goals and values, right? If, if we get into business and your goal is to get rich or make a lot of money and that doesn't happen, that will be a failed business partnership. Um, So you need to vet that stuff. And that's why I think spending time with people like, friends first business second and you often say don't get in business with your friends i actually think the opposite is true yeah just like people say it's you know it's not you know don't take things personal or it's just business i think you have to take go into business with your friends take things personal make Mm -hmm. it emotional because i think that's where real innovation and meaning comes from like the best stuff comes from being locked in a corner with your best friend and coming up with ideas and strategizing and knowing that, you know, come hell or high water, we're in this. Mm. See, I think that's also helpful when the individuals are pretty uh, in tune with themselves. Mm -hmm. I I get a very sort of Zen vibe in the room right now. It might be the green. (laughs) It might be the wood. I don't know. It might be the lighting (laughs) or something. Um, But I've definitely had my fair share of conversations with folks who are unstable. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, catch us on a Monday. Yeah. Yeah. You see a little bit more instability yeah, yeah i would say though that we're, we're pretty pretty early on we both had my i just kind of came into mine a year ago but self-awareness which is is something that sometimes you spend a lifetime trying to achieve right like i i know what i suck at and i know what i need to get better at um and i think when you're able to reflect on yourself and truly know what you're what you're great at and what you're not great at that allows for you to be stable in tough situations right and so I think we had, I, I mean, I, I get anxiety just thinking back to, to the ebb and flows that we went through um, in all of our businesses and what was happening to us personally because there's, there's ebb and flows personally happening yeah, at the same time, right? Personally. So it, it, was, um, it was daunting and it, and, it, and it allowed for us to get stronger. And I think- um, Like unexpectedly like, having twins? Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, yeah. Like unexpectedly having twins um, at 14 and then <laughs> getting divorced <laughs> at like, you know, 18. And so, it, it, yeah, there was a lot of shit going on. Um, you know, we made it, I made a shitload of money when I was you don't look 20. Day under 40. I spent it all when I was 21. You know, like I, I couldn't pay rent, you know, when the kids came out. So it was, it sh- there was shit that was happening all through that. And if I didn't have a friend by my side, because you spend more time with your business partner than you do at home, I would have had a real problem. So we're aligned in that sense that I do think you go, and I've had bad business relationships with friends, but that's because I think we had different values, Mm -hmm. right? And we had, and Michael said, I think there's a misalignment there, but I couldn't imagine being, um, or going through that with somebody that, um, you know, may have worked with me in, in business, but, but didn't align with me in values um, as a person. I think it'd be a hard time. Yeah. You just can't chase the dollar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think so many people get into business for the wrong reasons. And a lot of it is, you know, driven by, um, the idea of, you know, wealth creation. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary thing because it's always going to take a lot longer Right. And the path on how you get there is going to be very, very windy. And so recognizing that, and I, I speak to entrepreneurs because, and pizza technically is my third startup, um, having sold two out of the three. So I've had some success in, you know, building companies from the ground up and just remind, you know, the youth that unless there's something like burning inside of you that tells you, you have to create this right? The absence of it would be detrimental. You have to put it out there, right? You have to start your podcast. You have to share your idea or vision, right? Or purpose with the world. You probably shouldn't get into business because it's going to be tough and it's going to be challenging. It's going to put you in situations that you were never expecting to be put in. Um, and to get through that and to get through it, I think in a healthy way to come out the other side, right? More human, uh, requires, Right, Re- requires that sort of depth, mm. and those that get into they business, don't see your hand motions in the radio. Yeah, it's a problem. That's <laughs> yeah. the half Italian <laughs> so, side yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was pointing yeah. to his heart. You're calm, cool, collected. You know, <laughs> yeah. arms are flailing. <laughs> but again, so so money, I think, is a is a very scary. I've talked about this. Oh, it's very it can be a very scary thing because it, that's what can you know cause uh, catastrophic business partnerships or, right. or business you know failures. But you know, you say that. And I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for yeah. a second. You had two successes prior. Yeah. And you're talking about balling out of control at a, at a club mm-hmm. as a party promoter. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not a poor profession. No, I was in, I was in, I had an ownership in a, in a nightclub called 10 June. Right. And he was the promoter. Got it. But he wasn't promoting anything but himself. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 you're just talking about okay. just buying crazy. bottles. Okay. Dif- different, different person. Yeah. Uh, so there's, a, there's sort of like a base layer. So a lot of times I'm thinking about economic mobility. Um, especially in underserved communities, and there's sort of an absence of footing that mm-hmm. a lot of folks have, and that leads to you making decisions that I'm going to take that $8 per hour because it's something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not a dignified job. So when you're talking about creating a business that's driven o- o- around values mm-hmm. and deciding which capital you're going to take, how, I mean, to me it sounds like it's, from the devil's advocate standpoint, you can say that because you've had the successes and yeah. you have you have a foundation sure. to operate on. How would you articulate that to somebody who has no no foundation? Well, I mean, it all st- I mean, listen, I, it starts with hustle, right? You take yeah. what you can Work. get. Right. I, I don't think it's anything but that. I mean, when I you know started my first business, I didn't have I didn't have money. 
Right. I didn't come from money, didn't grow up with it. You know, like I said, small, very, very rural town um, that I grew up in. So that was pretty foreign to me. Uh, and it was the hustle, right, and the grit and the determination that ultimately got me through. And my perspective is just coming from the decisions that I would make now, what is the best course for, you know, youth and kids to get into business and how they want to ultimately think about it. But Hey, listen, you know, you got to get yours and and that's understood as well. So not everything is going to be perfect. Like you're not always going to find the right investor, Right. right? You take the check that you can. It's just think through how that plays itself out. If you take money from somebody that maybe you aren't aligned with, or at least be willing to have those kind of conversations. Cause I think you'd be surprised how people react to it. So the more you can learn up front about the people that you're getting in bed with, the better. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I also think, you know, no matter what you come from, there is no substitute for work. I think a lot of times younger demographics think that you can get there quicker. Mm. And, um, I just wouldn't younger demographics. You sound like a marketer. (laughs) Millennials. (laughs) Millennials. Gen Z. Gen Z. I think the the biggest, but they do that. I mean, they think there's a shortcut. Yeah. The biggest compliment I think you can give somebody is let them know, call them a worker. Yeah. Like I think that did like literally they show up, they dig in, they do their job Mm. and they, um, and they enjoy it. I don't think I have, I, I don't think I've never, I, anybody that I have ever called a worker in my life, whether they are mowing my lawn or um, some other people's lawn, or they were my, my, my boss at COSI when I ran out of money in the city and I had to work an hourly assistant manager job at, at COSI. It was one of the best jobs I, I've had. Um, when they are a worker, they've had success and success is relative. Like I, I'm not sure that you necessarily, that's why everybody Cozy failed. Needs, and that's why cozy failed. Cause I was there and now I get it. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> exactly. this, like, the inflection point of cozy all exactly. dates back to you getting the leadership. I know. There you go. I know. <laughs> Sorry, cozy. But those people that, that were in my life that, that come from those hourly jobs or they had to go take an $8 an hour job. Yeah. Um, they've reached success. And again, it doesn't mean that they're multimillionaires, but, um, it means that they're, they're able to take care of their family and they live a, they live a good life, um, and a life better than they thought they would, they would get to. So, um, work. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things from my last company, when we would filter or we would sort of screen employees, we favored waiters mm-hmm. or folks who worked in restaurant industry who yeah. start off as like bus boys or whatever it may be. Cause you have to get there pretty early. You're doing, uh, not so glamorous jobs Yep. and you just, you know, take finding pride in it. And then serving people, um, so I, I totally co-sign that the worker piece. There's also, I mean, predominantly waiters that, that that's their second job. Yeah, right. So they they have multiple jobs, um, and they they hustle uh, to make money. Yeah, you know, and live. Well, that's that's also, I mean, again, the thesis on getting back to you know why we pay, right? You know, our quote unquote employees better, and why we think about you know what real benefits. Um, could be or should be, yeah. you know, that, that's the basis of, we think that it's our responsibility to create a clear path, uh, you know, to people being able to advance through the company, regardless of, you know, education level, regardless of experience, you know, I'll take somebody with the right personality over somebody with the right experience every day of the week. Mm. And like, and pizza was built, you know, for those without a track record that have the right energy and vibe. 
um, and you know want to give their all to a company and make something of themselves as a result of that. Mm. So everything we do is about internal de- internally developing um, people to understand and grow into leadership roles, get a clear path to ownership in the company and get themselves to ultimately where they want to be, whether it be with Ann Pizza long-term or somewhere else. Like it's a platform. It's a foundation. It's taking the lowest wage workers in this country and giving them stability and giving them a lifestyle that they otherwise couldn't have again and not based on the family systems or structure or environment that they were raised mm. based on literally just who they are as people and that's probably one of the most rewarding things is that you don't have to you know you don't even have to have a GED you don't right. you know you could have dropped out of high school or never went to high school and you can have a career Right, and you can make something of yourself. Like that's the, that's the best part. All you gotta do is just show up, want to work, and you know, have a little bit of swagger to you. <laughs> okay, the swagger piece. How do you guys filter swagger? How do you? Yeah, you just that's who's just a, who's you know, the swagger finder. Who's the swagger well, that's, whisperer? That's 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 a skill oh, that we're learning. Yeah. It's not easy to find. It's definitely yeah. not. <laughs> it's uh, definitely but not. you know, it's style, personal yeah, style, yeah. right? Because you want people to fit in, right? And I think. Fitting in comes in many different, you know, ways, shapes, and forms. But just like enjoy the fact that like you got to like the music that we're playing, right? Right. If you're, you know, if you like '90s grunge music, like Ann Pizza is probably not right for you because you're going to hear hip hop and EDM all day long. Mm. That's probably going to drive you insane. Mm. What are you looking at me for? So it's '90s grunge. Oh. One of the things people can't see is that both of you guys have this beard thing yeah. going. Mm. It's almost the same color. Yeah. How did this happen? Same color. From the from my vantage point, he's here, got like red and shit. He's got some it's yeah, like some reddish know, hues here. It has oh. nothing to do with the show. Yeah. It's just I'm curious. I'm looking at you guys. You guys don't see each other side by side often unless you're looking at a mirror together. Maybe that one night at the club. But uh, how so did that I think happen? Michael's beard is required to make his face presentable and. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sort of growing a beard in November, okay. and uh, <laughs> and then it, it became our brand. So it was, okay. you know, I couldn't get rid of it. Um, even when I try, he, he even when I trim it, he's upset because um, I can grow a much y'all don't want to know what's underneath that beard. beard. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't get chiseled, good. chiseled chins. So I, I haven't. I, I generally so I have a uniform. Right? Okay, you won't find me wearing anything but black, and. You know, I probably cut my hair like once or twice a year and rarely ever shave. Mm. So I haven't shaved since I was 20, I think 25 years old. So it's been 37 now. So it's been about 12 years. Mm. It's just easy. And it actually wasn't in style when I first started doing it. Now it's become stylish. So like Mm. I'm on trend right now, but it will probably fall out of style soon. Mm. It's actually already going that way, but it's easy. You know, I don't like when I wake up, the last thing I want to think about is what I'm going to wear right? and having to do anything in terms of like personal maintenance to get out the door. It's like, I just want to get going. Right. And this just allows me to do that. Right. It's kind of like that pseudo Steve jobs effect where it's just like, yeah, line me up with turtlenecks. I don't have to think, but it just works for me. Yeah. I mean, so I have a similar uniform, all black, but my, my sort of uh, hair hygiene is the exact opposite today. Yeah. I'm a little raggedy, but once a week, clean cut, yep. take everything off every single week. It's the exact opposite. I like it. Sense. I'm a little bit more easy. of a prima donna. That's why I, I guess I'm on the 
cosmetic side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his bathroom. <laughs> yeah, serious. His bathroom. There, you I'm can't. Like a CVS. There yeah. aren't. There aren't enough cabinets. I actually have a, have a Dwayne Reed addiction. Really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know this. I didn't know this was possible. But every time we walk by a pharmacy, he in. runs in. Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Real problem. <laughs> what's, so what's what do you look for? We now? had to sell Jaywalk to foot to the pharmacy fund my bill. Dwayne. It's a seriously. I might go to rehab for it. I don't know what it is. I just I I, I went in last night. And I've been in three times this week. So you just like trying new stuff? Or no, it's not about it's not about trial. It's um, I don't know. It's something my dad passed down to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time we would be on vacation somewhere, he would have to go to the CVS for some shit that he really didn't need. So you're not like buying just like beauty beauty products. No, you're buying like beef jerky or like gum. You just buy something. Yeah, or yeah, his body screams beef jerky. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're gonna go at it. <laughs> wake up um, i don't know what it is yeah 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 but i think you know people love the knickknacks man like yeah. Yeah. people love to just consume little things i i i don't like shopping gives me anxiety in general because like the thought of having to make a decision mm. i actually don't love making decisions can drive me like up a wall mm. i think i i like to see i don't know i'd like to be in consumer products and see how things are being sold part of it is that um it's like the story that's associated with it. Yeah, I mean, and uh, the future of retail is not pharmacy. Though. It's, I don't. Dwayne Reed's doing very well. Yeah, of course, but that's the nickname. Great point system. Not going to sell yeah. you know. CRM program. <laughs> <laughs> you have more points <laughs> at Dwayne Reed. People have to wait in then line you have behind me because they're like, "Do you want? Do you want to use that thirty dollars?" They're like, 30 fucking dollars." <laughs> yeah, but I get that like once every two weeks. Interesting. So, yeah. what, what are, what's one of your quirks? Do you have a you have a quirk? Well, he doesn't shower. So going back to sort of okay. that early routine. There you go. Yeah, my routine is pretty minimal. You know, what you see is what you get. Got it. Got it. But, uh, I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean, we're all kind of quirky in yeah. our own way. Like, yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of weird things about me that, you know, I think you learn. And uh, you embrace the older you get. right? Because I think you learn it's more about, you know, you than it is about other people's perception of you. And right. so you get comfortable in your own skin as, as good or as bad as that may be. You kind of stop impressing and you start internalizing a little bit more. Right. Right. So, um, I want to wrap up, uh, the sort of general talk with, uh, our quick fire questions cause it is 1230. So I know you guys, you guys have businesses to run. So I'm gonna get you guys out of here. Is that cool? Yeah. Sounds good. Awesome. So, uh, as I explained to you guys before, the general format is five quick questions. Um, pretty random, uh, and you give your rationale. We see how it goes. Sounds good. All right. So the first one, Biggie or Tupac? I'm Tupac. Are you, you're from the Midwest. Yeah. Ohio. Yep. Really? Mm-hmm. Like I went to school at uh, Cleveland, Ohio, Case Western Reserve University. You did. I grew up in in Hudson, Hudson. in between Cleveland and Akron. There you go. There yeah. You go. So the old Case Western Reserve. Yeah. Was there. Yeah, I went to that private. I went to that school for a year until yeah. they told me not to come back. Okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. and then I went to Hudson High School. Okay, what about yourself? Biggie or Tupac? Biggie. Why? I mean, lyrically acclaimed. Lyrically this guy, acclaimed. This guy did not write down any lyrics before he would get behind a microphone. So they say. This is true. This is true. It could be urban legend. Yeah, but I I want to believe it. I believe it as well. And if you if you you know Tupac was. He was like a poet and an actor, mm-hmm. right? Biggie, you don't see him acting. I know, but Tupac brought well, mel- melody to hip hop first. Say again. I, he had melody to his to his music. Where you mean Dr. Dre did that? 
before Tupac? You don't know the history. No. How do you think Tupac was created? <laughs> oh man. Uh-huh. You, are you saying are you oh, saying my. that oh, Dr. No. Dre created Tupac? Yeah. You, he created the image that is Tupac. No, I mean the beats. The beats, yes. The, the, the beats. The production, yeah. Yeah, I mean that. But that, a, a person has to go in there and ride the beat. Yeah, of yeah. course. But like, you know, at the, I think I think if you look at just God-given ability or talent, I for me personally, I think Biggie would outweigh. I think Tupac was more. Well, he definitely outweigh. Would, <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, Biggie could eat Tupac. Yeah. I'll give you that. But I, I don't know. Just as an artist, you, you know, you think uh, that, that's where I would go. Yeah. yeah. But I think but that, that's the whole, I mean, like, like, they both have natural, natural ability. I just think Tupac was more of an entertainer. Biggie was more of a, of a true rapper. Right, true MC. That's, yeah. that's typically the way it gets, it gets broken up. Um, See cool. that? <laughs> Favorite uh, favorite place to do work. I actually I actually like to do work in the parks. Mm. Like I've spent, you know, it's kind of crazy. I spent the better part of the last five years living in Washington D.C. and D.C. is an amazing place, uh, but the parks aren't amazing. They're and not. so, kind of coming back to New York and like plugging back into this city. Like I'm just loving just kind of spending time in parks. Just like they're active and lively and vibrant and and clean yeah right and you can eat there and you can chill there and you can take meetings there so that that's probably my favorite place to work mm. i think mine is probably the airplane mm. or train because I, I feel like you're horse in, blinders yeah you're in a place where you're not going to be bothered right yeah that's it i remember back in the day working on planes you didn't have wi-fi right and so everyone would know i was traveling because once i'd land you just literally them. like 150 emails would just come barreling out of my I inbox like and just flood everybody yeah, I like two that. in the morning <laughs> you know, oh, michael traveled again <laughs> here we go i like that um if you guys were not if you weren't working on jaywalk and and pizza what would you guys be doing probably go back to my original profession of modeling i respect it yeah yeah, that's a, a dying that's, profession. That's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, his hands are great. Right. Yeah, if you haven't great, seen great. him. A hand model. A hand model. Yeah. 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 Uh, perfectly dainty. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, listen, I would be doing something. It would be some form of, you know, an Ann Pizza, mm. you know, or a Jaywalk. It would be something that's, you know, unique, that's probably fearlessly weird, that's out there and just owning it. Mm. You know, I think I, once you get into entrepreneurship and once you get a taste of what it's like to build um i think you perpetually want to do that building absolutely you know it's and the hardest thing i think is learning how to put one foot in front of the other and i was able to learn that at 22 years old Um, and i probably didn't know that that was going to create a whole lifestyle of crazy you know i'm sometimes very envious of you know people that you know come five o'clock on a friday can shut it down Mm. right or come you know, six o'clock on a Tuesday can shut it down and then pick it back up the next day. Uh, it, it, I think the harder thing is that it's 24 seven. That was a business analogy. Cause he, he can't put one foot in front of the other. He's not very coordinated mm. athletically. And the jabs keep flowing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, that's the thing. He, he saw me on the court the other day and got shut down. <laughs> paddleball, battle, paddleball court, no. whatever that is. No. I think I would probably be architect designer. I, I think I've always had this love for, physical design um so uh and i still enjoy whenever there's an aspect of that within what we're doing or um so that's 
never met an architect that can't draw. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cheap requirement. Yeah, or, or can't right. really write. All right, designer. Yeah, I'll give you that. All right. Yeah. Loosely. Yeah. Loosely. <laughs> so where would you guys uh, retire if you, if you choose to retire? Like what city would you want to be in? Cities. Cities? He's, sure. Remember, he's global now. Global. Sure. I'm he's an international man. Global. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't... I, I love the Northeast. I, 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 if I never saw a winter again, I, I would be, that would be fine. Mm. Um, so I, I, would, I would love for that to be multiple places. And I think New York has always got a place for me. And then somewhere warm. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know the other place because the, this is sort of the place that I haven't left since college. Um, and so I think I'll have, I'll have some sort of residence here. Mm. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. To me, I th- you know, always being plugged into New York will be important, but also being able to unplug, mm. you know, you don't want to get to New York, right. Where you're here at 75, you haven't left and you turn into the crypt keeper. Right? You've seen that story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's, you know, in an ideal world, it would be maybe three months a year in New York, uh, you know, three months either on the West coast or somewhere warm and then, you know, spending the other six off months the grid. Yeah, off the grid traveling. But I, I, the idea of like a New York, you know, Miami, Caribbean, Europe, or like a New York, California, you know, Europe mm. kind of thing mm. would make a lot of sense. I just, I think it's important <laughs> to, to get out. I think you got to see the world. I think you got to meet people from all walks of life. I think that helps you just connect I think that creates a youthfulness even as you age. Mm. Um, and it gives you just a different perspective on, on, uh, on everything. Mm. I think people that have, you know, closed perspectives or more closed minded, go travel, go travel. Like one of the things I wish could happen growing up in a small country town is I wish there was a program that took those that grew up right in urban environments and inner cities to go to the country and those at the country to go to the city. Right. And like, I guarantee that would, eliminate like 80% of the country's problems of just people being able to live right like somebody else yeah, and watch relate. those real world problems cuz it breaks down all barriers right all barriers you see people differently you understand them and now it's not just like these people that you refer to it's like no they become your friends mm. and you get it awesome so final words before we sign out thank you for having us yeah, thank, thank you, you very for, much. Yeah, man. Thank you for joining. Best really of luck. It. I think you're, you know, you're doing, you're doing you. Right. Yeah. This is your dream, and to have us on here and be a part of that is, uh, is special. You know, and I hope that this episode gets more and more and more downloads, so you can spread your message to the world. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was tumbleweed. <laughs> nah, I, I was gonna say it. thank you too, and and I think you know, to sum everything up there, there's no substitution for work. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much guys. Thank, Thank you. you.